Hey, welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Aaron O'Malley, who works with teams and organizations to help build cultures of connection through bold communication. She's all about helping teams show up, engage, and connect. So what is going on, Aaron? Long time no see. How's it going, Steve? Uh, it's great. It's always good to see you. What brings me back to that first time we met, I guess five or six years ago now, and I still remember the story that you told, since we're queuing up talking about presenting with impact, I still remember the story you told, and it still gives me a chuckle. So it's always good to see you and to be with you. I'm excited to be here. I'll keep that joke alive then. Um, you know, you never know what the joke's going in. And sometimes something sounds real funny in your head. And it's just crickets. But I, I was pretty sure that one was going to land. So I won't say it here, but I, I'll I'll keep that one alive. Aaron, something that you talk a lot about is, I'm going to use one of your favorite buzzwords, authentic. And you talk a lot about authentic communication. And almost intentionally, I used a very generic scripted intro for you. Um, what I want to give you the opportunity is to be your authentic self, because that's that's your thing. So can you just explain in your own words, what do you do and, and how do you help companies and organizations? Two-part question. We're also going to talk about what you define as the four P's. P's, I think we're going to talk about three of them today, but maybe just kind of tee that up for the conversation as well. So I love how you actually queued up the authentic because I talk about hashtag authentic and actually being authentic. And I think a lot of times we're our hashtag like social media selves. But for me, my authentic self, when I go to work with teams and organizations, I like to break it down to say I help people show up, engage and connect. And it's helping them connect with themselves as leaders, with their teams and then with their with their clients and their customers. And in my experience, Steve, what I really realized, it all comes down to connection and communication. And really, that's what I'm helping people do. Kind of get rid of all of the, you know, what we're supposed to do and what this top 10 list says. But really, how do you show up so people can tell that you're being your real you and your authentic you and how that plays out with teams and customers? We're going to talk about what you describe as the four P's today. And I don't know if we're going to get to, I think uh, we're going to get to three of them, but maybe just so people have a reference for what we're talking about, describe what you define as the four P's. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the four P's, Steve, it's plan, prepare, practice, and present. So when we talk about planning. We need to have our intention and know where we're going. Preparing is formulating the agenda, getting all the logistics together, Practice is probably the most important one um, and where if we go sideways, a lot of the issues can be solved when we practice and then present. And that's when we're in front of the audience. And in thinking about your audience, we can cover these four Ps or these four Ps can be used for having a meeting with your staff, talking to a patient or maybe presenting at a conference. So they really are the pillars for how to create that engagement, create trust and create connection with the audience. We'll start with plan. And I guess that's where it all begins, planning a meeting. And, and you're right when you reference the different scenarios that our audience would probably be involved with. So a lot of times people will ask me when it comes to staff meetings, how often should we have staff meetings and how long should they be? And I just cringe a little bit at the question because I I generally think meetings just for the sake of meetings are, are not very productive. So I, I get the question, but are we asking the right questions? So I, I think, and I think we'd agree that it's important for leaders 
um, to define the goals and the pressing topics as part of the planning process. So can you talk about what goes into planning? Yeah, and I think, I know I just said practice is one of the most important, but it really all starts with your plan. And I I get this visual when I think about coming up with your plan, that kind of a, a bullseye. And the first thing you're defining is the need. Like, what is the need for this meeting? We'll stick with that example, right? What is the need? Why are we having it to begin with? And then what's the purpose behind that need? What's the purpose of the actual gathering? And then what's the intention behind it? So to use your example, Steve, I think a lot of times, and I remember back in my corporate days, the need was, yeah, on Wednesdays, we have staff meetings, like not very inspirational. And then you go and it's the same people saying the same thing, like you were almost quoting them before they could even they could even say it. So if you think about this, let's take an example. Instead of what's the need on a Wednesday, we have staff meetings. Maybe there's the need is to address Google reviews. Maybe there's been some negative comments about the reception staff not being super friendly. So the need would be address those Google reviews. Next is the purpose. So what would that purpose be behind the meeting? To retrain the staff, um, to inform them of their impact. And then we get into the intention, which is what do we want them to do? What do we think of, what, what, what do we want them to think about and how do we want them to feel? And when you think about this, Steve, I think, and I can go into the do, think, feel in a, in a minute, but when you think about that bullseye, need, purpose, intention, this acts as your guardrails. And as Priya Parker, who wrote The Art of Gathering wrote, she calls it, it's the bouncer, right? So when you define that need, when you define that purpose, then you say, who should come to the meeting? How long should the meeting be, right? Who should be the speakers? And it really, like, what should the agenda be? And it really, all of the answers to those questions, what you just asked, right? How long should the meeting, meeting be? Well, what's the need, right? If it's to tell them that we're leaving early on Wednesday, it would be five minutes, right? So I think when you define those core things, you get the answer to those questions that you asked. Interesting, because I think that's, one of the 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 main reasons that a lot of practice owners that I talk to will say we stopped having meetings is because there wasn't a purpose. And they'll say, well, we're just having meetings for the sake of having meetings, but nothing was coming out of them and it ended up being a waste of time. And I when we trace when we reverse engineer that, it almost seems like a lack of planning going into that meeting, right? Yes. And if you know what? I'm going to say this and then I'm going to immediately contradict myself as sometimes I like to do. If there's no reason to have a meeting, don't have a meeting. But I would put money on the fact that there's something in their practices that they need to address, right? I'm pretty sure that there's always something that can be improved, that can be a conversation. And in the example that I gave, right, about maybe the Google reviews, I think the other thing is that's helpful is to say, okay, so who needs to be there? Maybe the people, like maybe the accountants don't need to come to that meeting. So it also says, hey, you're going to be here and this is what we're talking about. And it again, act, thinking about the bouncer concept, that also helps define it. But I would challenge to say that I'm sure there's always something to be talked about, but who really needs to be there and what is it that you're talking about? I could be wrong on this, but I think I remember reading this or something like it somewhere. I think it was Steve Jobs who said, I'll never have a meeting beyond 20 minutes. He's like, if we can't say it in 20 minutes, 
and I, I find that a lot of armies they what they fit into that zoom you know template of 30 minutes to an hour but you know that doesn't necessarily mean that you, the meetings tend to shrink down to the the time frame that that is there if you say we only have 20 minutes to meet you're going to probably cover what you need to cover and I, I think it was elon musk who said if you don't think you need to be here don't come go do something more more important so really hits on on a few of those points if we stay on on plan something that you mentioned is connection before content and i'm i'm going to use your own words here. This is basically taking the icebreaker concept and making it not awkward and cringy, but rather a way for participants to connect to each other and to the intention of the meeting. So again, maybe a two-part question here, but I'm, I'm curious if you could describe the criteria for that, but it also took my mind in another direction because you mentioned meetings. Sometimes there's something going wrong that we need to talk about. Any ideas or suggestions to keep things on course and keep people from killing each other? Because I think that's why one of the reasons that people that have meetings, they don't want their employees to kill each other because they're worried there's going to be so much confrontation. It's already a touchy subject. Should we even come together? So so I, th I think it's related to that, but but how would you address that? Um, okay, first First part is the the connection before content. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know, Steve, if you have ever been at a meeting or in a in a conference and they have some ridiculous icebreaker. And I admit, like this is me being my recovering Catholic self. I still confess. I confess that back in my early training days, I did the whole like, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? And the thing about I like, you're like, okay, I mean, I FYI, I would be a tropical fish because I like to swim and like be colorful. Well, great, Aaron, but what does that have to do with anything, right? Like, what does that have to do? So when you think about those cringy icebreakers, the connection before content is a way to get people connected to the content in a non-awkward way. So if we think about it, Steve, there's three criteria. First, it's to connect people to each other. Second is to connect them to that purpose, to make it clear why they are there. And then the third, it's to create this choice for authenticity and vulnerability. And to give credit where credit is due, I first heard this connection before content from, from Peter Block, who is a mentor of mine. But when you think about it, right, so let's go back to that meeting example. And I would say that one of the easiest ways to connect, to create connection before content is ask a question. So let's go back to that meeting example. So when you all go, what I would say, what is, what are some businesses, what's a restaurant that you like to go to time and time again? And what about, what about that business, that restaurant, is it that makes you want to go back? And why is it important? So give people a few minutes to chat, right? Oh, I go to this hair salon because when I walk in, they give me a glass of wine, they rub my shoulders, right? So you're getting them and thinking about why a greeting would be important. So they're connected to the content and then they get a chance to talk to each other, right? And that's that authenticity and that vulnerability that they get a chance to share their ideas and then you could hear. So it's also a, a little bonus learn. What a great way to create engagement in your meetings, right? Instead of just going in and going through the agenda, you're connecting people to the content, you're connecting them to each other. And it's a way to start to build that authenticity and that trust that comes with vulnerability. Yeah. And, and when you go into a meeting with a sense of curiosity, right, I think you'll get people more engaged with that. And if there is that aspect of we need to resolve an issue, and it could be something that creates some 
some tension within the group. It, it's a, there's a difference between going into a meeting and let's say customer service is declining, going into a meeting as a leader and saying, you guys need to fix it versus saying what's broken. And when you say what's broken, it gets people opening up. And then what I think we all want is for other people to start coming up with their own solutions, right? Right. And I think that brings up a great point. And I, I know you and I are always beating the curiosity drum because I think a lot of times, especially as leaders, or in this case as doctors, right? We think we might know what's happening, but it's the people on the front line that can give us the real, the real 411 about what's happening. So instead of going in and saying, hey, this is what's wrong, we're gonna do this, this, and this, hey, from your perspective, what's happening out there, right? What could we do better and bringing them in? And I mean, that's a, a, another way to get the connection before content, right? It's making them see why it's important and without just having that top-down approach and tapping into the, your people. Well, that's especially the case in optometry, because a lot of times you're dealing with a an, a practice owner, a leader, by definition, who spends 80 to 90% of his or her day in a small dark room in the back away from all the activity. Yeah. So that's a huge transition I think you'll find as a leader is your willingness and also probably the humility to be able to go back to your team and say, help me understand what the problem is and let's come up with some solutions versus let's just, without understanding the totality of the problem. So let's jump into prepare. And I'm going to, this is going to take a minute for me to tee this one up. So just hang with me there, Aaron. Um, okay. One, I'm going to, I'm going to quote you on something that you had sent me. So on the topic of prepare, you mentioned fire hosing information. And this is uh, as a public speaker, as someone who, even in the doctor's office, you know, talking with optometrists and the amount of information you share with, um, with patients, this is something that I feel pretty strongly about. So this is what you mentioned, fire hosing information, having way too much information on the agenda and on slides. The point would be less is more. People need time to process, and you don't have to tell everyone everything you know in one meeting. In fact, doing the opposite builds credibility. So I was doing some research on something for I'm creating and said, let me share something very relatable to that from my own notes that I had I had written down. In meetings, we give people tons of information. We throw information against a wall and we see what sticks. And we say to ourselves, I've done my job. It's not my fault if people didn't understand or they weren't paying attention or they didn't know what to focus on. But in reality, you have to tell people what to focus on. Your message needs to be lasered and compelling. I know this is something because you and I have talked before that we passionately agree that for a message to be effective, it needs to be clear and focused. So go. Okay, so two things. Let's go back to that, the, the need and the purpose and that intention. What do you want them to do? What do you want them to think about? What do you want them to feel? And if you've been in any one of my workshops, you're going to be like, oh, there goes Aaron again with that intention. But I'll tell you what I do, Steve, for this conversation. I'm like, what do I want Steve's audience to do? What do I want them to think about? What do I want them to feel? Any conversation, any keynote I do, any workshop, I define those things because that goes back to, it's also the editor. All right, if this is what I want them to do, if I want them to work on their greeting and saying goodbye to clients when they come in, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm not gonna talk about the budget, right? I'm not gonna talk about all of these different things. So I think that's the first piece. When you define that intention, it makes it real clear. 
And I think when it comes to too much information, right? I mean, I'll ask your audience, has, have you ever gone to a conference or been in a meeting and be like, man, I wish they had three more points. Like I got all 20 of them and I was at a conference a few months ago, which actually had two good points of sort of what not to do. A woman, it was for National Women's Entrepreneurship Day. And a woman came on and she's like, I love acronyms. I mean, I like an acronym too, but she's like, I'm going to go through some acronyms today. And it was enough, enough care act and one other. And I'm like, that's 32 letters. And it was 30 minutes. Like I remembered nothing. And so I think, and, and I want to get to what, two, two things, Steve. I think people think that and I, I, guilty as charged, right? Like, oh, they're paying me a lot of money or I want to make it worth people's time. So I'm going to share everything. But I think what we need to realize is that people can only absorb so much information. People, when they have time to absorb it and then perhaps turn to their neighbor and talk about it is a way to actually process it and have the learning stick. And so it's not a it's not a uh, a statement of our knowledge or our expertise if we don't get out every thought we've ever had in any one of our talks, right? So I think it comes down to what's that purpose and what's that need? What and, and I, the other question I always have forefront is who is this for? Who is this for? And so what? If you are preparing something and you're asking yourself who is this for and then you follow up with a so what question, so what is the best editor? Because I could tell some random story and if I'm like, mm, Aaron, so what? Or like when you're listening to people, do the so what test and be like, yeah, I, I, I don't care where you're from, right? Like it doesn't matter. I mean, that's a random example, right? Like it doesn't matter to me. So those who is it for and so what are great ways to edit, to keep it on track and less is more. Less will always be more when it comes to when it comes to presenting. That is such a great point that I had to learn through speaking. And then it was actually a a public speaking coach that that told me this. I think a lot of people when they start speaking, and you mentioned it before, they go into this with this mindset of I need to share as much information as possible because that's what they're paying me for. And it's it it's looking at it through the filter of I did my job. You know, you paid me to come here and do an hour long presentation. And I, I, I threw a bunch of spaghetti up against the wall, but I did my job. It's not my fault if they didn't pay attention or they couldn't follow along. A public speaking coach told me you're making it about you. When you do that, it's never about you. It's always about the audience, whether that's 2000 people out there or whether it's three people or one person in the exam chair, it's, when you start making it about you, then it's no longer about the audience. And on, on the topic of less is more, that's a real hard one for a lot of people to get their mind around, even doctors, because we, we're taught in school to go in and educate and educate and educate and inform, inform, inform. And then when we're in school, we come back out, we present to a doctor and they tell us all the things we forgot to mention. That's, that's how school, and you go into the real world with that mindset. So I have this slide. I think I showed it to you once. I have the slide that I use in one of my presentations. And at first glance, it just looks like a normal uh, picture from a conference with people in the audience. And and I, I show the slide and I mentioned the speaker just got up and it was a, a, a vendor actually that had paid for this slot. And it was actually somebody who's trying to get money from people in, in trying to get investors. Okay. So I just want to set the scene there, but he got up and he just went information heavy. Well, I mean, you could see all his bullet points on the screen. And I, I took a picture 
in the picture, there's 14 people sitting in the audience. I only took a picture of the front of the room. And I, I say, look at the picture closely. If I could zoom in, 10 of them are on their phones. They're not even paying attention. And in the back of the room, like everybody was on their phone. So it just highlights the, the downfall of being just bullet point after bullet point. It's, it's hard for people to absorb that. And I'm sure the guy that was up on stage felt like I'm up here, I'm doing my job, but it it's not effective. Right. And I think it goes back to, I love your point of, you know, when you're like, again, who is it for? And if we're talking about ourselves, like it's not about that. And even in that example, well, I'm doing it because these people want this information, but if they're, if they're checked out, if they're not listening, they're not getting the information. Wouldn't it be more valuable if you, if your product was a right, or your product was about a, B and C and you said, Hey, everyone, I'm going to start off. I want you guys thinking about how A, B, and C is working or not working in your practice. Turn to your neighbor. You've got two minutes. Chat. And just get, I mean, it also gets, that gets the energy going in the room. That's that connection to content. And then if he told two stories afterwards of like, well, this was a case, this was a, you know, a case study and this is what worked. Okay. And I think the point is, is that you want people being like, tell me more, right? Or like, oh, that's interesting. I want more. And, and if we can do that, like you're, you're not going to get off the stage and then like run and disappear. Right. Like we, we can, we, we have phones and internet and everything. Like we can follow up with people. And so why not tease them a little bit and get them paying attention so they can, they can ask for more. And I just think it's a hard, it's a hard lesson. But once we realize that again, even if, and I, I, I will write an agenda and I will cut three points off and I'll still run out of time, right? Because I'm famous for being like, yeah, talk to your neighbor and get people talking. You know, it's always the trainer and the facilitator in me. Why not apply that to, to all of these meetings we have? People, there's so much collect, collective intelligence in the room, Steve. And I think as doctors, as speakers, whatever we're doing, we forget that. And I think to go back to your doctor's point as well, um, I think when you're talking to people, we need to think about who we're talking to. And my knowledge, I was actually working um, with a group the other day and they're in, they're in the investment world and they were all talking about the letters after their names and like brokers and this. And I was like, like does not compute. That's not my world, right? Like that's not my world. And so I'm like, give it to me high level. And then if I want to ask more detailed questions, I can. And when you were saying that earlier, that reminded me when you're, when doctors are talking to your patients, Hey, so I want to talk to you about this disease. Do you have more questions, right? Like kind of big picturing and let them be the ones to decide how much more information they want, as opposed to us assuming that everyone wants and needs everything. Yeah. And it's good. I think when questions drive the conversation. So if you're delivering more of a high level information. My hope is always that the person that you're talking to will start asking questions. And when someone starts asking questions, what are they telling you? They're telling you, this is what's important to me. This is what I want to know. And it gives them the ability to guide that conversation. But yeah, like my, the same public speaking coach told me too, he goes, I know you feel like this isn't enough information, but there's no reason you can't give people the information in other formats. There's no reason you can't leave the audience with a handout or a flash drive or a QR code that directs them somewhere else. But he goes, you just got to trust me on delivering a more engaging 
interesting presentation, like we said, less is more. And you hit on a good point, even in that last example, connection before content, you know, having right. people talk and then, then going into the data, if that's what you need to cover. So hitting on our last point here, present. Um, you mentioned again, back to that, that buzzword being authentic versus being scripted. And so another question I'll get asked is if we have any scripts for staff, and I, I think they can be effective as a starting point, but I think with any script, the risk is always, you end up sounding robotic, right? If you ever, you've taken phone calls before from like a telemarketer and you can tell that they're reading, there's nothing authentic about it. And we just zone out and some people are nice enough to let them finish. I just hang up, but, um, you know, and I think even doctors experience this sometimes when they're presenting a new service, like, how am I going to talk about this? And they sort of have that script going in, but I, I think you lose credibility when you do that because it doesn't sound authentic. So, um, I, my question to you, how do we communicate in ways that, that keeps us true to our authentic self? Yeah. And I was, I was laughing the other day, Steve, because I, I mean, I, the whole like put a smile like when you answer the phone have a picture of yourself smiling in front of you so you're smiling and while again it's true like it's better than being frowny I think with the scripts and this is there's some nuance to this if it's a brand new person yeah have them do a script right like get the get the flow going but the thing is you got to make it your own and to your point if I I can tell if it's person a or person b i'm like oh and now they're gonna say like well what's what are your plans for the weekend right like i know what's coming so i think two things um which will probably knowing me be seven but the two things that i'm thinking about are first it's the tone in which we're saying it which goes to the smile right so i think when it comes to scripts even beyond the information it's how are we saying it and you can see i mean even though, like i'm a hand talker i'm moving around right it's the gestures and the tone with which we say things that really makes the difference so a quick example and an interesting way to do this is that um during my workshop during my presenting with impact workshop I give out personas and i'm sort of stealing my thunder here but i encourage like do this at one of your meetings so i have four personas, or I have a few different personas. One's a cheerleader, one's a disgruntled cheerleader, and one is a or a teacher reading to kindergartners. So we'll stick with those three. And I give them lyrics to American Pie, the song, right? Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. And I say, okay, you've got 10 minutes to prepare, and then you're going to read it. And with your gestures, with your tone, with your body language, and it is A, hilarious, and B, so informative because it's the same exact words, but I'll never, Allison, I'll never forget. She started off and she was like, bye, bye, oh, right? immediately you're like disgruntled teenager, right? And then the teacher like, bye, bye, Miss American Pie. I mean, you, you get three different meanings, three different experiences, based on the tone, the gestures, the body language. And so I'm bringing it back to the script, Steve, because if, if I read like, wah, 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 I, I, I don't, you could be reading the best script ever, but if I'm not feeling it, believing it. And for me, 
I'm a hand talker, right? I'm a, I'm loud. Like that's just who I am. But this doesn't mean that everyone needs to be a hand talker and be allowed, which brings us back to the authentic piece, right? See, you're more soft-spoken and you have A, the best voice ever, and B, you've got that like zingy, dry sense of humor. That is your authentic self. And if you started doing this, I would be like, whoa, what is happening, you know? So the second point, which I will finish with is, and this is vital, and this is the practice piece, is getting feedback. Getting feedback from your colleagues. Because I can think, or from trusted sources, I can think I'm one way, right? I'm like, oh, Aaron, like, you're funny. You're energetic. Like, you're high energy. And people might be like, you're super distracting. Or your tone is really bossy. Or whatever it is. So it's important to ask people, this is what I think I'm doing. What are you getting? And then you get to decide whether you believe it or not and whether that's you showing up authentically. And more often not, when we get that, like, you seem kind of off or like, that's when we're not being authentic selves. So you get to determine what your authentic self is and then practice, get that feedback. And when people are like, oh yeah, like I got your message or you seemed like you, that's when you know you're doing it right. So one on a few tangents, but I think it all goes to those scripts. You can have, we need to know what to say, but it's also how you are saying it. And people can tell when you're being your authentic self. Yeah, I would say starting with a script is fine. I I'll, we'll close out here with an acronym because you mentioned them before and it's one I heard recently. And I, I think you're really going to like this one. Um, in terms of, we're talking about meetings, whether it's it's speaking, whether it's leading a staff meeting, Sometimes we have to move beyond that script. And, and what do we talk about? How do we become that authentic self? I'll use the example of public speaking because we both do it. The kind of things that you talk about on stage, you don't have to fake it, right? When you get into connection, when you get into communication, you the the Aaron O'Malley comes out, right? If if somebody puts you up there and said you've got to do an hour on PL statements, you'd have to fake it, right? So the thing is, and this, but this applies to any, if you're leading a staff meeting, if you're engaging with a patient, give some thought as we move beyond scripted into what I want to talk about. The acronym is SFC. And I literally just heard this yesterday and I loved it. And he was actually talking about public speakers. If you're going to get up and do speaking, what is SFC about what you talk about? What is so effing cool about what you talk about? that it's just naturally and authentically going to come out. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to fake it. Um, it's just going to come out naturally. Think about that. And a lot of people listening to this are not public speakers, but you might still have to get up. Usually we, we all have to deal with an audience, even if it's just one person sitting in the exam chair. But think about as I'm trying to decide what I'm going to talk about, I want to be my authentic self. And it could just be a product or a service that I sell in my practice. What is so effing cool to me that I'm going to be able to communicate it in a way that it's going to be exciting for the other person as well? I, I mean, A, you know I love that because it's my jersey coming out. But also, it is so true. If you don't believe what you're saying, if you don't like... If, it's, if you don't have the conviction about it, then forget about it. Like they're going to be able to see that. And I also love that as an editing tool, right? Like, what are you going to talk about? I mean, I think that was your point, right? But because it, it, it gets you excited, right? Like the energy comes from within. 
And I, I just love that. I love it. I love the energy behind that too, of like, what's so cool that I can't wait to stop. And I, re and I think real quick, I, um, when I was preparing, whenever I prepare for my workshops in this most recent one, and I was editing my agenda, cause I always go the, through that phase of like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, well, and then I'm like, come on, Aaron, get a grip. Right. And so, but I said to myself, I'm like, Aaron, you could go in there and be like, so what questions do you have about presenting? And you could talk to them for 17 years. Right. So I think it's like having that belief in ourselves that we, we have knowledge, we have stories, we have things we can share and that are cool, that are going to get us excited, that we feed the energy, they get the energy. And that's how we create the impact that we're talking about, Steve. I love that. Awesome. Aaron, thank you so much. It was great. Always great catching up. Um, and how do people find out more about you? How do they hire you? How do they have you come to your organization or your meeting? Well, you can go to, you can email me at AaronMOmalley.com. So don't forget the M in the middle there. That's also my website. So you can shoot me an email, happy to respond. There's scheduling links on my website if you wanted to schedule a call. And then if you also go to my about page on Aaron M. O'Malley, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter, which really people, I get lots of great feedback. It's leadership lessons. It's me kind of pulling a story from the week about what worked in leadership and one didn't and sharing the lessons learned. Um, and yeah, I do keynote speaking. I do public workshops. I do private workshops. So if you're interested at all in communication and connection, I'm your girl. You got, now you get a sense of my authentic self. If I'm not your cup of tea, don't email me, but hopefully I am for some of you. And I really look forward to hearing from you. And again, Steve, thanks. It's always so great to connect with you and, um, and, and chat with you. Likewise, Aaron, thanks so much for doing this. Um, and we'll close out with that. So thanks, Aaron. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you'd like more information about IDOC and how we work with ODs, to help them grow their practice, you can find out more at idoc.net. That's idoc.net. So thanks for listening.